It's Tom Bilyeu here. And if you are addicted to the relentless pursuit of greatness, then I've got something special for you guys. The Motivation Daily Podcast by Motiversity. It's your daily fix of motivation, inspiration, and wisdom featuring the best speeches and speakers on the planet. We cover it all. Life, business, relationships, discipline, purpose, mental health, sports, studying, focus, you name it. With exclusive speeches from heavy hitters like Coach Payne, Billy Allsbrooks, Marcus Taylor, Dr. Jessica Houston, Walter Bond, and more. If you're ready to take control, level up, or just crush your day, then Motivation Daily Podcast is your secret weapon. Search for the Motivation Daily Podcast and follow wherever you listen to amazing podcasts. Welcome back for part two with none other than Sam Harris, public intellectual author and creator of the Waking Up Mindfulness app. In part one, Sam and I got into the breakdown of shared narratives, the manipulation of information, the death of freedom of speech, and the hard reality of deep fakes that is racing towards us as we speak. And now in part two, we're talking about the Bible losing its position as the gravitational center of Western moral values and what that means for all of us. Elon's Twitter and who gets to determine what's true and should be boosted and what an AI-fueled future looks like and its implications for truth and political discord. If you liked part one, you're going to love part two, and you're definitely going to love the hundreds of archived episodes and bonuses that you'll get access to by subscribing to our ad-free feed on Apple Podcasts. So head over now and subscribe. In the meantime, I'm Tom Bilyeu, and I bring you part two with Sam Harris. So Mm -hmm. you've got, uh, all right, we we all know they i'm just giving you what a dyed in the wool red republican is going to say mm. um they shouldn't be looking at his private communications and yeah, I mean, uh, that's a it's a way of not taking the the knowledge on board correct but, yeah. i'm not saying it's the right way i'm yeah. just saying this is how he keeps his audience they shouldn't be looking at his private communications this is exactly what trump has been warning us about people getting into your private life governmental mm. overreach all of that and then of course like he's going to fight for Republican values, even if he thinks that the leadership isn't great and that he'd rather have somebody else. He knows that lying on behalf of a guy that he thinks is demonic, but at least he's Republican, is better than than the the outright dangerous. I don't know what words they use for othering the Joe Biden camp, but like mm. that's how it's going to be that you would much rather. I mean, it was like when Trump said that, yes, I'm a bully, but I'm a bully for you. It was like, okay, sure, Tucker's not perfect. Sure, he lied to present things well, mm. but I'm kind of glad he did because I need him to represent our side. We have to win against the other people. Like there's this real escalating sense of like, we have to win. The stakes right. really matter. And in fact, going back to that idea of if if I look at, so I, I watched the whole interview that you did where you were talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. And so I'm watching it with an open mind. And just like, uh, just a ton of respect for you, Sam. I, mm. I cannot stress it enough before, after this minute, a year from now, I just can't fathom not mm. really being blown away by how you think and the all the meditation stuff. You seem sincerely to want to help people. So it was very easy for me to go, okay, I think I get where you're going with this. But for me to interpret that moment the way that you did, this is why mm. I said, uh, this is about stopping evil. To me, your interpretation mm. of Trump is that, either because he's just a clown on the loose, a dangerous troll, or because he's 
actually nefarious. Either one has the same outcome. So I doubt you split real hairs with that, but he cannot be in control of this company. It, it is, I don't know country. if you'd go all yeah. the way to existential. Thank yeah. you, this country. Yeah. I don't know if you'd go all the way to uh, existential or not, but mm. it's like, it's so high risk, finger on the nukes, asking questions like, uh, why do I have less nukes than JFK back mm. in the 60s? Like th this, is, this is as close to unhinged narcissism as you're gonna get. It's too dangerous. We are, we are now at a point where, hey, everybody, um, yeah, fine. I will step forward and say that there should be a small group of people that just keep us from this lunacy. And if that means that we have to not, not necessarily um, bury the laptop, but you cannot let it come out right in a moment where it could possibly sway the election mm -hmm. and put that psychopath back in. Right. Now, that's where I say that is way more dangerous. Mm -hmm. And now we can at least talk about what we disagree on. Yeah. To me, the authoritarian nature of like, I and some small group of people have decided that Trump is that dangerous and have decided that this laptop revealing at this moment would be dangerous to the democratic candidacy. So whatever it is that we have to suppress, we have to suppress mm -hmm. it. Now well, that let me just be, I should be clear about what my position actually was at the time and what I was actually saying on that podcast, um, not especially well. My position was, it was always a hard judgment call at that point. We're talking about 10 days before the election. This thing comes, it's clearly an October surprise, foisted on us, timed intentionally to be hard to parse right before the election. I mean, it's just like, we're on Rudy Giuliani's timetable. It's like, he, this is like, here, this is when I'm gonna show you the laptop, right? You got 10 days to figure this out. Um, it was meant to detonate politically at that point. And we already knew what happens you know, in the 2016 election, when 10 days before an election, you, you say, hey, we got Anthony Weiner's laptop and now we're reopening the, the email investigation to Hillary Clinton. We saw that that was you know, her poll numbers. I, by, by the hour, went down, uh, and uh, you know whether that was decisive or not. Uh, who knows? She was unelectable for other reasons. But um, so we had a so so my claim at the time was it was totally understandable for journalists to say we're not gonna be hostage to Rudy Giuliani's timetable here. We have a, an election in 10 days, first do no harm. Let's just give this, let's, let's, give, let's wait for three weeks to figure out what's true about this laptop, right? This is a, it's, it's, we can't figure out whether this is a Ru Russian you know, forgery. You know, like this, there's reasons to be concerned that it could, could be Ru Russian dis disinformation. Um, who knows what's going on here? We should not be in a rush to create a a disaster here politically, um, so it was under, and and so I, I viewed each of these platforms having different choices to make. So journalists could decide: Do we want to focus on this now, or do we want to give this a little more breathing room? That was an editorial choice that I completely understood, and still still a genuine hard call. Then you have Twitter deciding not only to whether or not to amplify certain things. They decide to deplatform the New York Post that had a journalist who decided to write about the story. Right, um, that was a very different decision, and 
I think, almost certainly the wrong decision, right? I mean, again, understandable given the political bias of the people on Twitter and given the genuine uncertainty as to the the the, the ground truth of the, the validity of the information and where that laptop came from. And I think even in that case, on the New York Post story, one of the the reporters who reported it out didn't want to sign his name to the article. I mean, like it was it was the Wild West over there in terms of actually, you know, doing the journalism. Um, so it's, in my view, it was a coin toss as as to what to do there. Now, if you raise the stakes more, right, you make Trump even more sinister. You make the the election even more tenuous you make the information even more uh dubious then you know then the the dials change and 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 so many of these decisions are not decisions you can make categorically in principle it really is a, this this pragmatic balancing of just what is what is true and what is, what is the what are the stakes right so like i I'll, I'll compare this to another case you you um you spelled out earlier. So you felt that it was it was obviously wrong to force people to get the, the mRNA vaccine for COVID, right? Now, I would grant you, certainly in retrospect, that seems true. But if we change a, ch- a few of the variables, I think your, your ethical intuitions and, and certainly political intuitions would totally change. So you make it a much more obviously effective vaccine that really does block transmissions, like a sterilizing vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make it a much more dangerous virus. You make it a virus that's actually preferentially killing kids rather than old people, right? So now it's now we're in a, an environment where like you're deciding not to get vaccinated is putting my kids at risk, right? Do you get to make that choice, right? And you might say, oh yes, yeah, I should be able to make that choice as my body, you know, but dial up the the deadliness of the pathogen you know give us something like you know airborne ebola that incubates for a month you know you don't know you have it and you're what you walk around spreading it and it's got you know a 75 percent fatality rate and it's mostly killing kids no one gets to make that choice anymore i mean then literally the the cops come in and vaccinate you and i i would say that all of us would agree to that the moment again that you turn up the lethality uh, uh, on the on the pathogen, you turn up the effectiveness of the vaccine, you turn down the risk of the vaccine. Give me a truly safe vaccine where there's not even one documented case of vaccine injury, right? So that th- then you just have to be completely crazy to be worried about being vaccinated in that env- in that kind of environment. Um, then it's just a no brainer. Then then we just don't tolerate. A diversity of opinion because the stakes are too high. It's it's a full on emergency. Bodies of kids are being stacked up in parks, right? We we there's so many of them we don't know what to do with them. We've got these mobile morgues, and we have a vaccine that actually works. And then we've got RFK Jr. saying, you know, maybe you don't want you know maybe you don't want to get the jab on Rogan's podcast, right? That's that that's the the world I've been worried about ever since COVID. Like 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 a, a world where the truth is really clear, and yet our media environment is so crazy that that so, we, we can't even talk about it. And we get we get this. I mean, again, the fact that something like QAnon is possible, right? The fact that we could have a president who messages to QAnon 
favorably without disavowing any association, right? When asked about QAnon, he says, well, they sure seem to like me. <laughs> they seem like nice people, right? This is a, this is a, I mean, some tens of millions of people, it seems, I mean, let's say it's a hardcore of maybe 3 million people, who knows? Millions of people who believe that the world is being run by child raping cannibals, right? That's like, if we, if that is possible in the current system, you just you just have to imagine what that would do when the stakes are truly high, right? Like when it's when it's part of the machinery of yeah. some decision making. And uh, so I have a, a slightly different intuition yeah. on this. So um, I I like to take the hardest possible look at this thing and then mm. see what I would do. So um, one, even if you dial it up, it's airborne Ebola. It takes a month. You're walking around. Dead kids are mm. are being stacked up. Um, I would still let RFK go say, I don't think people should get the jab. But having said that- What, what do you mean let? Like meaning you, you, would decide, I you would decide to have that conversation or you just think there oh, should be no law against podcast, it? Oh, on my podcast, there should be no law against it. Right, but so I agree with you there. So like that, where I hold the line with the first amendment is, yes, you should be able to be as wrong as you wanna be, but we don't have to algorithmically boost those errors, right? Correct. As, like, and, like, and, and if you and if I have a platform, if again I'm creating a social media platform, I don't want the Nazis and I don't want the people who are spreading lies about the current pandemic that is getting yeah, and where, they're gonna get where people you killed. and I break down is I am so paranoid that people don't know what a lie is. Right. And so the very thing, and this is why I brought up the founding fathers before, the reason that I'm saying I want these people to be able to speak is because I don't know who knows the answer and who doesn't. And so I need the information. Now, over time, certainly for myself, I'll begin to discern who I think is a good faith actor and is really thinking through this problem. And I get that there's gonna be people that get caught up in just the speed of it, it's hard to parse who's right and who's just entertaining. And that will be very mm -hmm. frustrating, especially if it's my kids that are being stacked up in the park. And, and, and I get all of that. But I would also say that if you need those sort of wartime powers, this is Ebola, it's spreading, the deaths are just absolutely outrageous. We have reason to believe that the vaccine is working. While I wouldn't say that people can't speak up, I would be like, you are getting vaccinated or you're getting quarantined in some way. And that would be horrible. And that's really God awful. And it will have absolutely terrible consequences. But I don't want to say that I can't see a world in which I look at it and go, that's the right answer. What I want to talk about is what am I using to determine mm. that that's the right answer? That's really the thing that I wanna talk about is how we think through these very difficult, very novel problems. And so one of the, the things that I find interesting is you, you've got founding fathers and you've got religion. So the founding fathers to me represent a shared narrative about what people ought to be, what the US for sure ought to be in, in a moralistic sense. like. How do you structure a government to protect itself from tyranny? How do you recognize the individual people? What ought they be able to pursue without the government being able to interfere with them? Like, what are those bright lines that makes us Americans mm -hmm. riding on the back of freedom and freedom of speech and all of that? Now, of course, crazy, they're doing all this while holding slaves, but they put an idea together that as you adhere to the idea, all that other bullshit starts to fall away. So that to me is, is, 
is a structure of a system that grows better over time. So that's one element that it, it's an orienting mechanism where live free or die, right? Mm -hmm. It's something people were literally willing to give their lives for an idea that has fallen apart in a way that I don't clearly understand that I would love you to talk to. The other part of this is religion. Same thing. It's how do you know what is true? In fact, my, I was thinking about this today. Tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. I think that religion is the thing that allows you to establish your behavior patterns when truth cannot be scientifically established. So you have religion for the millennia when you couldn't look under a microscope to know about germ theory. So you just mm -hmm. said, don't put these fabrics together, don't eat pork, whatever. And ultimately it was like, you knew you were doing the right thing because it was written down in a book or told in an oral story and you either hewed close to what it said to do and you were doing the right thing or you didn't and you weren't. And so what I think we're living through now is people realize, mm, religion doesn't hold that sort of gravitational center that it used to mm. because we now do have microscopes and we can really see what the religions were trying to get at. But it did give us a shared narrative that works well for people that are headline readers that can't hold the nuance of the argument. And so they just need 10 commandments. Tell me what to do. And so I know that I'm either in line or not. So now when you're looking at a global pandemic, we don't really know what's going. We don't know the lethality. We don't know if you should get the shot or not. If I can point to religion and say, to be a good Christian, you would get the jab for this reason. Mm -hmm. I would draw a parallel with one of the stories. Then people do it. And now I get people to, of their own accord, out of a desire to adhere to this shared narrative, they do it. And so you see how religion can be this incredible boon but in a modern era with idea velocity, with hyper fragmentation driven by algorithms and social media and all of that religion is, I, I need you to speak to this because I don't know the data well enough, losing its power, losing uh, its efficacy. I don't know. It's, it's lost something. It does not have the effect that it used to have. And well, I would also say it just doesn't address many of these use cases, right? So it's like the religion doesn't have a position on vaccines. I mean, there are some religions that that might. I mean, you know, Christian scientists would would probably not get vax, vaccinated. Don't you agree imagine, that but, you, if I'm a preacher, I find the story that I want to draw the parallel. Yeah, but and I so think you could though, probably do it either way. Like you could be against vaccines or pro-vaccines to, to correct on how you just correct. pick and choose. But so. I get you to adhere by, I don't have to use authoritarian rule. That's my mm -hmm. point. I don't have to do something top down. What religion allowed you to do was keep the sovereignty of the individual, especially if you're talking about a Christian religion, keep the sovereignty of the individual and yet get them to fall mm. in line. It's really pretty genius where mm. whether you do it because you believe in America and so you keep your freedoms, but you adhere to the, the mores that allow this amazing thing to exist that you're proud to be a part of, religion serves the same function. But now mm. as we get into weird, like cultish, new religion, wokeness, whatever you want to call it, eh, something, something deranges. Well, so I, I, I think I mean, what you want are principles here. I mean, one principle is I think we should be very wary of being driven by tribalism, right? Now, it's not that tribalism is all, it always in every case pathological. I mean, there, I think there's, there's, there's tribalism we can play at for fun. I mean, it's, it's entertaining and it's not very deep and yet it can take up a fair amount of bandwidth 
and it's fine. So, so you can be a fan of you know a sports team, and we know what that looks like when you take it too seriously. I mean, when you're like you know a South you know a South American soccer player, and you lose the the World Cup, or you you know you commit an own goal or something, and you literally have to worry about getting murdered mm. by your former fans, right? We know that that's gone too far. It's too much like religion in that case. But in the general case, you can be. We, you can play at tribalism, or you can be, you know, loosely identified with some subculture, and it can be fun, and you can enjoy the diversity, and, it, and the diversity can be somewhat antagonistic, even as it is in, let's say, in sports, right? But no one, it, like, it doesn't reach deep into a, a person's psychology and 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 social network and political commitment, such that. They're making life and death decisions on the basis of how much more they like the Yankees than the the Red Sox, say. Um, so tribalism, it, it, deeper tribalism is, I think, something we just need to outgrow, right? I mean, because the truth is not tribal. The truth is 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 universal. Even specific truths have some, there's some view from above where, you know, Diversity of opinion is just a matter of our ignorance, and and if we if we could really see those truths clearly, we would all converge on the same on the same account of reality, regardless of our background, regardless of our our, our language, regardless of. I mean, we just don't we don't have the right to be uh, to our provincialism anymore with respect to our, our basic uh, epistemological commitments, whether those are scientific or ultimately ethical, right? So I would say that that. You know, it used to be the case that we could agree to disagree about how to treat women in a society, right? Like, so yes, if you're Afghan, you're in Afghanistan, you don't let them get, you don't let them get educated, you, li- you force them to live in cloth bags, you beat them if they try to get out. You know, they they can't be out in public w- without being accompanied by a male relative. Um, you know, just there's a list of of taboos. And most of them are killing offenses. Um, and do we just agree to disagree there? Well, practically now, yes, because we lost that war. We're no longer there. We just don't have, we, we just, it's not worth sending our sons and daughters to die to defend those girls. But the, the ground truth is, if you're born a girl in Afghanistan, you are profoundly unlucky, right? That is just, it, that. And that disparity in luck should be galling to all of us, right? Like it's just not—it's just not a good status quo. Ultimately, if we got our shit together as a species, some subset of the of of women and girls would not be forced to live in cloth bags as they are in Afghanistan at this very moment, right? Um, so ultimately, we will converge, and tribalism is pre- precisely the wrong algorithm to use if you want to converge on the deeper truths, whether they're scientific or ethical, or, or you know, I would argue even spiritual, um, that we should organize our beliefs about reality and how to live within it, right? And w- and that's what we're trying, we should recognize that that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to navigate in the space of all possible experience, individually and collectively, and we're just, we're trying to figure out what to do next, right? It, so this, this is politics. What should we do next? We've got a hundred billion dollars to spend this year uh, in the state of California or whatever it is, you know, 
I actually don't know what our budget is in California, but we've got this money to spend. What should we do with it? Right. And then we have diversity of opinion. And in, in, in some cases, you know, radical diversity of opinion about what is important and what is even decent to, to, to focus on. Um, but, and I agree with you that, that a basic, a basically free space of conversation is the way we will orient and, and resolve those disagreements, right? So we need, I, 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 I do agree that in most cases, we need the, the conversation just to run long enough and to be uncoerced enough so that most people most of the time can notice that that the better ideas are surfacing and the and the and the bullshit is being being moved to the sidelines. But there are still, you know, obvious cases where the the topic is specialized enough or the 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 um, the, the, the 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 knowledge you need to just get us to to have a valid seat at the table is is deep enough that not all not everyone gets to air their opinion with you know the, the, at, you know not everyone gets to air their opinion at that particular in that particular conversation or um, if they do we're all wise to just have very little patience for that particular opinion because it just it's it's obviously incredible right it's obviously uh it doesn't have the person doesn't have the right background they're not playing the language game appropriately they sound crazy they have these they, uh, they're 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 telegraphing their 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 other ideological commitments that are distracting and and not convergent with with at the actual truth at hand um so it's like sort of the, you know you bring Alex Jones to the phys physics conference, it's not going to take him too many minutes to sort of disqualify himself as a a expert a re relevant subject matter expert on physics right or anything else, um, and so we live with that tension that yes it's it's in fact true that a Nobel laureate on on any given topic can discredit himself with his very next sentence if his if the sentence is obviously wrong right and somebody who knows basically nothing can be right in a, in a debate with this guy by just pointing that out like you just that doesn't make any sense right and it is true from a scientific point of view that we don't we we take authority scientific authority very lightly right like like it's not it's not good enough that you're a nobel laureate that's that's not the thing that's going to make you right, right? And and, and you, on some level, you're only as good as your last sentence, right? Like even if you have a Nobel Prize, um, and that's how we do, you know. So you know, a, a Nobel laureate is giving a lecture in in you know again, it could be a, a, on his narrow narrow area of expertise, and at the end of the lecture, hands go up, and it could just be a, a lowly undergraduate who embarrasses him or her. On the again, not, not even on an adjacent topic, on the on the top, the very topic uh, uh, on which that that person became an expert, um, and that is that's that's just because truth is in fact orthogonal to 
any given person's reputation or educational and career achievements or you know, like it's just it doesn't matter who you've been like we, we it matters what you're saying right now and why you're saying it and what and and whether it is connected enough to a chain of reasoning and a chain of evidence that anyone should take it seriously right um, so that's all true and yet as a time saving device if we we have to figure out whether a you know a certain chemical is is toxic we 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 don't want to hear from alex jones we want to hear from the real chemists right yes we don't want to hear from the chemists who are working for monsanto if that if this is a compound that monsanto is marketing that they stand to make a billion dollars on and we know we don't have good regulations that would force them to do the the relevant toxicology and really safeguard human health right um we know that a lot of, a lot of the incentives are misaligned such that some of the time even someone with the right educational background is either lying or or you know impressively self-deceived and we're getting bad information and this is again this is what i come back to what we need in every case here when things matter are institutions and regulations and procedures and 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 alignments of incentives that we can actually trust because they're trustworthy right because they are actually reliably keeping bad information out and and surfacing good information and i, I would admit that we have a highly imperfect system but the system we have is way better than no system right and i mean just take a it this is very easy for people to see when you move it out of science and certainly out of medicine and put it into areas of like just like straightforward engineering like like on an airplane right so like there's not people don't tend to be iconoclasts with respect to engineering like when you get on a plane you don't want to be doing your own research you don't want to you, you didn't want to you don't want your you don't want to be doing google searches about plane replacement parts right but you just want to know that the faa has it right you want to know that the regulations work you want to know that the pilots for united don't want to die right that they're not going to get on the plane if they think it's unsafe you don't you want to know that the mechanics are not getting bogus parts because they can shave a profit they're incentivized like you don't you don't want a system of incentives where we tell the mechanics at boeing that if you can figure out how to get parts from malaysia cheaper right we're going to let you keep half pocket half of the difference you know if you save us a million dollars you get to keep 500,000 right so get us a landing gear that you know just came that somebody 3d printed you know in a, in another country right if we found out that that was how we were incentivizing mechanics we would go nuts understandably right but presumably we're not doing that um we have to discover as a species all the ways in which we're doing dumb things at a systems level right in institutions and in, in and in the you know the systems of incentives that connect institutions we have to defrag all of that such that mere apes like ourselves can be making reliably making better decisions than individuals can tend to make on their own because the systems are so good and so again this is not we're not going to solve this in podcastistan right or substackistan right like i'm not saying we don't want podcasts and substack well, newsletters but i think what you yeah. can do is 
is delineate how to think about the problem because here's the the last thing on this and then i've got so many more things i want to talk to you about but um i think part of because i agree with you as you break down what it should look like i agree with you the problem is that the example that you gave that i think really freaked people out was like uh this thing isn't going well with the timing of the Trump thing, uh, the Biden laptop, the Trump thing is so serious. I'm going to just real fast break the system to make sure that this doesn't go forward. And that sets everybody's alarm bells off. But, but I wasn't, but again, just to be clear, I was not advocating to break anything. I, 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 I said that Twitter Twitter out. was wrong to deplatform the New York Post. Right. The the New York Times, I think, was probably again, and I, I I put it explicitly in these terms. It was a total coin toss for me journalistically whether you decide to do a front page story on the Hunter Biden laptop with ten days left when there was there were valid concerns that this could be Russian Russian dis- disinformation, and you had the previous example of a of an election seeming to get derailed by but something similar. The second similar. you say that, like. There, there might be reasons, but somebody is making, a human is making a judgment call. And certainly the way you present it is your take is if it were my call to make, that's probably what I would do. I think that's the thing that's certainly the thing that, that made me uncomfortable of like, whoa, I, that feels like you're well, well, let's, let's running just, a much higher risk scenario. Let's make it even more realistic because, because now what am I doing now with respect to the laptop? Right, like I have not done a podcast on the Hunter Biden laptop mm. yet, even yet. Right, it's been it's been now with us for years. Um, it's conceivable that I could. I mean, I still, I still, I, I, I still don't find the topic interesting enough, given the political environment, that I care all that much. I mean, get because for me, it was a very straightforward calculation. Here we have a sitting president who I knew to be unqualified in all kinds of ways, but the specific problem for me at that point was we have a sitting president who is not committing to a peaceful transfer of power, right? That was a five alarm fire politically. I mean, that was just, that was as as bright a line as I needed to say, this is an emergency, right? This guy can, this, this is, now it's not an emergency such that we could do anything to stop him, right? I'm not saying that the New York Times should have printed lies about him, right? I'm not saying that it, requ- it, did, it absolutely did not require lying or even a shading of the truth. It's just, here's a guy who on multiple occasions has been asked point blank on television, will you commit to a peaceful transfer of power? And he, bas- in, in so many words, he said, no. It's like, if I win, it will be, it will be a valid election. Right. That's basically so, what he said. So let me ask, what do you think about people want him elected still? Like he's right. still theoretically, as we're recording, this is the prime contender for the yeah. Republican nomination. And that's so that just to close the loop on what I just said, that's why I'm not that among other reasons, that's uh, perhaps I haven't thought much about it, but that is why I'm not so motivated to spend a lot of bandwidth or any bandwidth trying to figure out what's so wrong with Biden and the Biden family, right? Now, I have no doubt there are politically inconvenient, embarrassing, even shocking things to discover. I mean, certainly in Hunter Biden's life and in his behavior, I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, I'm sure there's no end to, to embarrassment there, but even some degree of implication with, with 
President Biden? Is that possible? Is it conceivable? Is is there something there that I just ha haven't freed up the, the bandwidth to pay attention to coming out of that laptop? Uh, I'm sure there are many people in Trumpistan who who have, can, could speak for an hour about all the things we they think we know based on that laptop, but I certainly doubt some of that. Um, but why am I not motivated to pay more attention to that? Because just as you said, Trump could very well come back in 2024. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off Offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. It's Tom Bilyeu here. And if you are addicted to the relentless pursuit of greatness, then I've got something special for you guys. The Motivation Daily Podcast by Motiversity. It's your daily fix of motivation, inspiration, and wisdom featuring the best speeches and speakers on the planet. We cover it all. Life, business, relationships, discipline, purpose, mental health, sports, studying, focus, you name it. With exclusive speeches from heavy hitters like Coach Payne, Billy Allsbrooks, Marcus Taylor, Dr. Jessica Houston, Walter Bond, and more. If you're ready to take control, level up, or just crush your day, then Motivation Daily Podcast is your secret weapon. Search for the Motivation Daily Podcast and follow wherever you listen to amazing podcasts. Like I don't think that I, I really, maybe I'm just not explaining it well. I don't think that's where people get the friction. Where they get the friction is the sense of, it's one of the earlier questions that I asked. Mm -hmm. I think you either believe that the people can sort through this themselves and figure things out and you put the trust in the hands of people, 
or, and, and I think your position is clear, and so tell me if I'm getting this wrong. So either the people on mass, just give them the information, they'll sort it out. Or we need experts, which people are going to read mm. elites, right? Which is not a charitable interpretation, but that's how they hear it. Uh, or we need a, a group of elites that are better than us plebs and, and go figure it out. I think that's what they hear when you say that. Now, I get what you mean about experts, but I have so... I, I know that even the most well-intentioned expert has a propensity to be wrong, mm. that I just feel like the, the mistake I would rather make, going back to my trifecta of evil, the thing I'm most afraid of is authoritarian rule. So in that moment, I go, oh God, these are both terrible situations, but I really feel like you have to put the hands in the people, you have to leave it with them. If they let them see all the information, and yes, but, I know but, it's but, calculated. But there, is, but there is no seeing all the information. Right, there is no unmoderated, pure, just fire hose of information. I mean, the information doesn't exist as a as a unitary object that can be contemplated in its totality. No, but always we are in proportion this, to what it is. In fact, is in fact in reality. Makes me a little nervous. You you do have it. It is so specific. A laptop. Maybe mm. it's Russian disinformation. Turns out it wasn't, but maybe, but you have this thing. It, it becomes so concrete and so tangible. I think that's why there's so much attention on that thing. But so I just want to get to your principle versus my principle. Cause I don't, again, well, I don't well, know okay. that either so, of us so are my, right. my principle here are. is that, again, I mean, I, I stand by everything I said on that original podcast. I just didn't say it especially well there, but and so people are genuinely confused about what I was recommending. Can I say it so I know if I understand? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That the what was going on is it was a real emergency. You had a real emergency. You have a president who was not committing to the peaceful transfer of power. Our democracy was truly at risk. Our democracy is is the most important thing in this scenario. A laptop comes out. First of all, it could be Russian disinformation. We don't know mm. yet. And so it would be it would be foolish in the in the same way that if the Russian guy that sees the five nuclear weapons getting shot at him, for him not to pause and go, I, this just doesn't make sense, I'm not gonna do it. In that moment, it was far wiser to not put this in front of the public, mm -hmm. but instead to go, the risk reward ratio is off, hold well, off. Also, because there, there was no rush. There's still no rush. Like, I, again, I still haven't done it. But I want to make sure, right? did, did I accurately convey how yeah. you think through that problem? Well, but, but, but the crucial thing is people took from that podcast clip, people took away the, the impression that I was advocating that we lie about Trump, right? That we, or that we say that we- It felt that way. So yeah. as somebody watching yeah. the whole thing, not the clip, the whole thing, right. I walked away going, okay, I get where Sam is coming from. If you really believe- that this is an emergency, yeah. that this will disrupt. Honestly, if if all of that were true, emergency, he's going to steal an election. It is going to jeopardize our democracy. Mm. And all I have to do is hide the laptop or or buy time, create a smoke screen. If I really believed that all of that was true, man, I'd I'd be very tempted. Now, it's just my obsession with this trifecta books well, and well, the so, so, rule that makes you can me take a little, So if it's a sufficient emergency, you should want the guy assassinated, right? I mean, like it, it goes all the way. Like if if this guy's Hitler, well mm. then we all we all wish Hitler got assassinated, right? Now I don't think Trump is Hitler or anything like Hitler. So there's there is. And a, can you precog him? That's that's where 
I get nervous. Uh, like everybody's so quick to say that he really is Hitler, and it's like, you no, know, no, he's I, I, I know. Well, I don't know how much harm he could ultimately do, but he shows no sign of being ideological in any way, and he shows it shows no sign of wanting to take on a kind of world building or dismantling some project. People. And that makes my radar. People I, people want what? People want him. So this may illuminate the the difference. So because peop, some people want to elect him, I'm like, mm. damn, is there something I'm missing? And so because I know I could be flawed, I'm just like, then no. you have to let the people decide. Well, no, you you, you have to let the people decide I would argue we still don't entirely know what's up with that laptop, right? It's like, it, I know there are people who think they know, but like, I, I don't actually know what what sort of forensic analysis has been done of, of that laptop and how reliable that is and what the, what the scope of fraud is there really. Um, and I'm still unaware of anything that has surfaced from that laptop that is clearly a smoking gun that implicates Biden in corruption in a way like there's there's new information coming out in, in recent weeks. Uh, I don't know what the relationship that is to the laptop, but um, if there's a 20 megaton scandal in that laptop, it still hasn't reached me and it's been over a year, right? Um, but again, I default back to my original position, which is the fact that Trump wouldn't commit to a peaceful transfer of power, and we didn't, and, and we in fact didn't have a peaceful transfer of power, and he's now running again, that to me is so disqualifying that I'm not inclined to do anything that would that could possibly increase his chances of getting elected, right? So, yeah. so again, he's not Hitler, but I think he's someone who is who is totally committed to subverting all the the norms of our democracy for purely personal avarice and I mean, just his malignant narcissism. I mean, it's just he's a he really is a pure case, you know case study in that. Um, but again, not ideological, not especially ambitious in any of the ways that somebody like Hitler or Stalin w was. Um, but. It's so corrupting of our politics and so destabilizing of our of our the institutions we should care about in our democracy that I think having him in twenty uh, for a second term could well be a total disaster. And it's just such an awful precedent precedent to have someone who didn't commit to a peaceful transfer of power basically saw to it that we didn't have one. Worse still, really did try to steal the election all the while claiming it was being stolen from him, right? I mean, the stuff he was trying to do behind the scenes, the pressure he was putting on Mike Pence, all of that was a genuine effort to steal an election he knew he had lost. I mean, his all of the, the people, the, the you know, his attorney general, pe the, the pe people behind the scenes got it through to him that he had actually lost and he was still willing to just bluff his way back into the presidency. Um, that's so dis disqualifying and should be so disqualifying from my point of view is that, yeah, do I want to do three hours on just how awful Joe, Joe Biden is? No. Right now, I don't think Joe Biden should be running for president. He's way too old, right? So he's, he's obviously past his, you know, not just his prime, it's just like, 
it's a disaster, right? And I think Kamala is is. I mean, I I can't see a scenario in which she's electable. So, like, if he if he dies, or if anything you know happens to his health that's so catastrophic that he's no longer the candidate and she is, I think that's just you know that's just a red carpet rolled out for for Trump or really anyone to 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 uh, become the Republican president. Um, so I think it's totally irresponsible and dangerous that the Democrats have put us in this position, that we're running Biden with Kamala Harris being his VP with no alternative, really. You know, I mean, maybe there would be, you know, maybe if he if he died today, then maybe, the, you know, maybe Gavin Newsom or somebody would step up and we would have a different race. But the fact that we seem to be running Biden by default with Kamala Harris in, you know, really set to inherit, to some significant degree, half the country will be seeing her as the person who's running because they, they, they plausibly wouldn't expect him to survive his term. Um, all of that's a disaster. All of that is well worth criticizing. I don't want to touch it because what's the alternative? Like I mean, if I could, if if I saw an alternative that I could could advocate for, right? That would could it all be effective. If I if I saw an upside in criticizing Biden validly, mm. then I would do it. But this is a pure pragmatic case where I'm deciding first do no harm, right? And it comes ex exactly back to the you know some fat people are healthy principle, right? Where if if you're at a moment where Something really is going to turn on people getting their their heads straight around diet and health and exercise and you know body image and the clock is ticking right. We have to we have got ten days to get this right. You know it's like it and and a lot hangs in the balance. Do you really want to do a podcast on? Here are all these fat people who we've just tested them, and they're actually just, they're as healthy as any Olympic athlete, right? They got the right their lipids are perfect, their their VO two max is great, they look fat, but you know this is not what it seems, right? No, and and what about let's do a hundred podcasts on that topic, right? Which is what people have done with around COVID and ivermectin and mRNA vaccines, right? Like. You know, Brett Weinstein literally did a hundred podcasts in a row on ivermectin and mRNA vaccines, right? As though there was no other topic in the world worth paying attention to. That seemed- at the, It made me feel like I was getting all the information. I didn't just assume he was right, but right. it really helped me feel, and I watched a lot of those podcasts. It really made me feel like, okay, at least somebody's talking about this. It felt like pirate radio. And right. as we're talking, I think I now understand one, I think it's very important that I, I love about you that you say what you believe and it doesn't matter whether I or somebody else would love to nudge you in mm -hmm. another direction. Um, but truly as somebody who thinks you're amazing, I will just say that I think now through this conversation, I realize what I, what I want your particular mind to do because you are so good at this. Mm -hmm. 
What I would rather have seen is the, okay, I'm going to look at this laptop and, and whatever it says, it says, and I'm going to break it down and I'm going to explain all the stuff you just went through about Kamala, mm -hmm. this is crazy in no uncertain terms. I want them to win, but you can't hide from information. Let's just pull this out into light. Let's pull Trump out into light. Look guys, in the final analysis, the, the laptop is fucking crazy. It does seem to indicate that there's some connection to whatever you find, right? I'm mm -hmm. just, I'm riffing here, not saying this is actually what it says. And then, but look, the Trump thing is a thousand times worse. This one feels like a real emergency. And then I'm like, oh, that's the Sam that I know, who's just like coldly dispassionate about this is this, this is this. But, but you can I, weigh I, I these am, things. I am being coldly dispassionate. I'm just and and I'm being completely transparent. You're I mean, being but, also strategic, and that's the part where I think it gives people that. Sense but it, but of, it's uh, not. But it's not. It's not a hidden strategy, right? Fair. Like it's just very. It's, fair. I'm just telling you why. I don't, I don't see an upside in talking about certain things because again, there's, there, there are asymmetries here that are really strange, but they're incredibly powerful. Like, so there's- Can I tell you what the upside about talking about it would but be? Let me just add this one piece. Yep. There's, there's almost nothing you can say about Trump that is true and awful that his supporters care about. That's crazy. Right? So, and yet, so he functions by a completely diff different- reputational physics and i think many people in that ecosystem do too like again i you know i mentioned tucker it's like he's not paying a penalty with his audience the way i would pay a penalty with my audience if similar revel revelations yeah. came out about me um and and over here you have somebody like you know barack obama literally it was a 48 hour scandal when he wore a tan suit right i mean like that was the level where he was getting dinged, you know, Trump is a completely different uh, situation. So it's it's someone again, and coming back to the fat analogy, we know that there's a that there's an appetite to to eat junk food. We know most people, certainly most people who have not already made it a habit to exercise, they're hard to motivate. They're hard to get into the gym. You know, most you know people join gyms and then they lapse. Not everyone gets addicted to to working out. Um, we know that there's a center of of gravity to where people are stuck. We've got a problem with uh, something like forty percent of Americans are actually officially obese, and like sixty percent are overweight, something like that, right? So it's like we know that it is it's hard to get through to people, and even if you get through to them, it's really hard for them to change their behavior, even if they decide. They want to change to make these changes. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, just how sexy do we want to make the message that some fat people are as healthy as anyone alive? I get right? it, man, but there's second and third order consequences. So my thing is- I'm not saying you lie about it. I'm no, not no, saying, again, I didn't hear I'm you say, say that. I'm just saying like, do you want it to make your but next, there's... your next project is to get the message out on that topic of all the messages you could you could be dealing with child trafficking you could be dealing with climate change you could be like you could like you could be dealing with you could be helping people I'm actually get whether fit. you should do a podcast right? about it so if that's what people have been pushing on you not at all what they, i'm pushing they on. think i should talk to rfk jr they think i should have platformed all these these In covid fairness, skeptics i they, wish you would talk to rfk right. jr and i'll i maybe give you insight into that you probably uh -huh. already get it but I right. want to outsource some of my thinking to you because I think you think 
through the world in a really interesting way. So rather mm -hmm. than me have to go do the research in RFK Jr., I'd rather you do it. Right. So it's a factor of trust and just, I I look at other humans, people may fucking hate this, but I look at other humans as like a really specific AI. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm a specific AI to other people, right? But you're a specific AI that I use to think through certain problems. And so RFK mm -hmm. just happens to be one of the problems I would love to see your AI go think of. Now you have to go do all the research and all that shit and combat him and bring the expert right. and all the things that you don't want to do. Uh, but that's why people would love to see you do that. And so that's where I'm like, uh, the Sam Harris AI that I want to use just gives me all the facts about that laptop, gives me all the facts about Trump, and then just is more persuasive that Trump well, is going to be the bigger problem. Well, again, because I, but I know that certain bells can't be un unrung, mm. right? And that's the part where speaking and I, and I, for myself, I'm like, uh, and I and I know, I I, but but I that. but I know that there there's there's super stimuli, stimuli, right? Like I know that if I got on my podcast and said my daughter has a vaccine injury yeah. right and I, I don't care what you think about me i'm that ne she's never getting vaccinated again and i'm done with all this you know vaccine like that's not science that's not like like it, it doesn't matter if, if if you get 10 people to 10 prominent podcasters to tell 10 different stories just like that that's not an that's not a sampling of the data space, right? Mm -hmm. And yet it is so powerful, yeah. right? It's it's so, and so you just have to you you have to re, you have to be aware of the rhetorical effect of kind of shining the light of your attention on certain things, and you have to you have to be aware that though you are making a you are going to make a best effort to keep this information in proportion, right? Or, 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 or honestly convey the, propor the proportion that you think is, in fact exists in reality. If you frame it a certain way, or even if you, if you speak about two things in the same context, that project becomes impossible. Like you just, you just, you just know that people are going to come away thinking, you know, I forgot the details of that podcast, but I I do remember that you know vac that vaccine is just dangerous. Yeah. Like like Sam Harris said, that, that it's just dangerous. I get but, it. You know, I get it. So my takeaway is just um, I don't know what comes of it. I think it's always it's always better to say what is true, and there's true. And so I would filter. I, I totally agree with you. True and useful is the filter for me. I mean, that's, it's like the Venn, it's not, I think truth is just too big. I mean, the Venn diagram, the, 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 the circle for truth is so vast but that we can't possibly. What? Useful yeah. to making sure Trump doesn't get elected is where you spin people out of control, which fine. You're well, in, well, in this, you have been, I think, hyper consistent. I understand your position now completely. Right. And now my only thing is, I think you already understand it, so I can just wrap. I think mm. you know why it bothers some people. Uh, well, I think it, you're it, completely so okay let's, with that. let's talk about those people. It certainly bothers the people who don't understand how shocking and untenable it was to have a sitting president not commit to a peaceful transfer of power. Yes, like they like there are people who just don't even know he did that, or don't even don't think it mattered. There are people who think that January 6th was a non-event. The people th who think that the election was actually stolen from Trump. So there's like lots of confusion around all of this. 
Um, so those people, so some number, some percentage of those people are just frankly confused, and if they had the right information, they would see it the way I do. Most of those people are uh, essentially in a, a personality cult, right? There, there, it's a pure expression of tribalism. It's not Republican. It's not establishment Republican tribalism, but it's it's a populist awakening on the right, uh, which is not the right we are used to, but it's, and it's not even conservative in many respects, but it's, so that's why I refer to it as like Trumpistan, but it's like, it's a kind, it's a kind of personality cult, which, um, yeah, I can't reason with those people. I mean, I can't, like I've, I've said enough, like if they want to understand what I, you know, what I think is true, the, the, there's, there's 20 hours on my podcast where I explain what I think is true about all that. And, um, the, you know, they're very likely not going to agree for reasons that re you know, impressively resemble sort of the birth of a new religion. It's like, this is not, this is like me talking to Muslims about how the Quran is probably not the direct word of the creator of the universe. Like, mm -hmm. we're not going to agree, right? Like, we, I lost them in my first sentence, you know? Um, and so it is with Christians and Jews and everybody else. Um, but so you mentioned AIs. One thing AI could in in completely destabilizing everything else, it could somehow resolve this very much in my favor. In that, what it might do. I mean, let's forget about existential risk and and the other uh, deeper concerns. But just it could in the near term could so fully pollute our information landscape with just fake information right so mm -hmm. deep fakes and fake journal articles and fake sources to things that you know like you know, people will write you know compel compel seemingly totally compelling articles about and everything mrna vaccines and everything else and they'll be sourced with stuff that none of it exists right it's just it's just a pure confection of ai gibberish that we might all have to default to just very straightforward, old school gatekeepers of information. Otherwise, we're going to recognize that the internet is completely broken, and we just don't know what's real. So, like, it's, it's in in a world of endless deep fakes. I'm really going to have to rely on the New York Times, or Getty Images, or Apple, or somebody with just way more resources than I'm ever going to have on my own. To tell me what's real. If if, Putin, if if I have if I see video of Putin saying that he's just launched his tactical nukes, right, or he's going to do it tomorrow at four o'clock, and I have to worry about a a, a world, and I, I, you know I think we we do now, and if we don't now, it's you know, four months from now we're going to have to worry about this. A world where basically anyone who wants to can produce a perfectly compelling video of Putin that will be undetectable by me as a fake what are we going to do with that i think i think we're all i think we're all basically going to uh, declare something like epistemological bankruptcy and just say like i don't know what's true anymore like i don't care like i'm not going to react to this video the fact that elon tweeted it you know and it's just raw video on twitter uh or it's got you know it came from you know, it, it like it, it aired on a Dallas, you know, uh, news station, a local news station. And it's like, I just have to wait to see what the the real gatekeepers 
say about this. I'm, I'm going to give this 24 hours before I even think I know anything. And how am I going to know anything? Is it, is it going to be me with my, you know, blockchain algorithm that got democratized by you that I read about on, you know, on some blog where I am now figuring out whether this video has the the right watermark, you know, to, so it's, it's got digital provenance or I'm just going to, uh, very likely that there's going to be a few institutions that prove that they can figure out whether a video is real. Right now, may, maybe this particular use case is going to be fully democratized, and we're all going to just have a plug into our it browser. Be, so and, here's it. You know. So one, I think that the way that it will really play out is the platforms that show video and images will build into their infrastructure the ability to read the blockchain signature, mm. and so you'll very quickly know, like, is this authentic from the source? And then the other part will be a community notes like function where people can say, yes, it's real, but here's the context that you need so that you're not manipulated. Now, both of those speak to the wisdom of the crowd and the right place for something yeah, to be truly democratized. Yeah, but the crowd, the, the, the LLMification of the crowd, is, I mean, the crowd's gonna get so much larger and- Because you think there'll be a lot of bots? Yeah, I mean, like they could be, the crowd could be literally 99% AI at it, a certain it, point. It will be tough if you're spinning up what, um, Elon has done, and you charge whatever eight or nine dollars. Yeah, it's suddenly yeah, but, a bot but, farm. But almost nobody's doing expensive. that, right? Like, what? It's like five hundred thousand people are paying for Twitter, and and out of three hundred million. Yeah, but when you think about what defenses we have when things really start to break, mm. right now they think he's just being a dumbass and he shouldn't have bought it, and so they're not going to pay it because just because they're stubborn. Right. But if they realize, oh. He actually wasn't fucking around. The bots really are a problem. And by spending $7, I can verify that I'm a real human. And now we're back in business. Then right. I think people are far more likely to do it. But I think it, it, the, the avalanche of fake things that are coming are gonna come in so hot and so fast. And it's not just gonna be people like me and you of thousands of hours of us out there. People have mm. already cloned my voice. You can hear me speaking in Portuguese and I think Italian. I didn't do it. Somebody right. else did it. Uh, mm. And it literally sounds like me. So uh, that's going to happen. But it's also going to happen revenge porn where uh, a disgruntled boyfriend makes porn from his ex-girlfriend and it is indistinguishable. Mm. And so everybody very fast is going to have a reason to care. Now, the moment I worry about the whatever six to 12 months it will take to embed the infrastructure in each of the things to read the watermark and to say this is real, not real, and to filter out things that aren't real. But that will, barring that sort of naked year, mm. you will very rapidly, because it will be so detrimental to just each individual, people will adopt that technology, I think, pretty fast. I just worry that this all happens right in time for the 2024 election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm worried about that too. Seems like the right time frame for it. It's crazy. I mean, like it a makes year me feel of like I'm a, a year of ChatGPT or GPT four, maybe five, and um, yeah, no, it's twenty twenty four could be all too interesting. Yeah, no doubt. How do you think about preparing for that? Like, how do we get ready? Well, who's we and and what is Americans. ready? Americans. Yeah. yeah. So that we're thinking well through the problem. Well, I hope that, I mean, I can imagine this is a major priority of people currently in government that we're doing everything we can to ensure 
that the election is run in such a way that there's the least opportunity to worry about election fraud. Now, I, I don't think election fraud is, uh, I think most concerns about election fraud are generally um, imaginary, but I think we need a system where there's just no scope to worry that the election was not run properly. Uh, the fact that we can't figure, the fact that we're finding that that's so hard to figure out um, to the degree that we are, I'm, I'm actually not close to current efforts to to um, shore all that up, but um, I got to imagine, I mean, that's, that has to be the number one priority. Whatever happens on election day, we should not have a significant number of Americans credibly alleging that this, this, the, the election was stolen, right? And that's, just, that's just so sanity straining and shattering of democratic norms that it's just, it's, um, we have to get over that hurdle and we have to, you know, we have to stay over it. You know, there can't be some new uh, concern that surfaces that you can you hack our, our voting machines. I mean, we just, that has to be, the integrity of an election, elections has to be the, the paramount concern. If we solve that, then at least we have, okay, then we're at the mercy of whoever we ran and whoever won, right? And um, there, I just think you have, yeah, if, if Trump is in fact the candidate, I think we have to, I, I think it would be a terrible precedent to reward someone um, who's behaved as recklessly as he's behaved and as, and as dishonestly as, as he's behaved um, with a second term in the White House. I mean, it just would be insane that we we have, um, if in fact we have a, a majority of Americans who would want to see that happen. If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third-generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation, and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Do you think long-form podcasting could change the landscape of who gets nominated? Yeah, because podcast. I mean, many podcasts have audiences that are larger than any other form of media. Mm. I mean, certainly Rogan's does. Um, By a country mile. Yeah, but again, but I, but I, you know, I think Joe and and you know everyone else in a similar position, um, you know, even at whatever uh, fraction thereof, um, anyone with a significant platform like that needs to be more responsible than most people are tending to be. Again, it's like, I mean, Joe may think he's just shooting the shit with friends, but he's actually not. He's educating or miseducating tens of millions of people with on every topic he touches. 
right? So it's it, there's a responsibility that comes with that, and it's it's not. So I think it's. I mean, and, and I don't. I don't think Joe has been. I mean, I think he's been. Uh, less careful than he should have been on specific topics. I mean, I think that's definitely it was true during COVID, and it's true. It's been true on certain political points, but. I mean, genuinely, generally speaking, I, mean, I, th I think his heart is in the right place, and he's 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 not. His format is such that the people who are going to be—I mean, people people have a are given ample opportunity to discredit themselves in that context, right? So there's just you know, but I do think he's if he were going to take seriously the. the impact he's he's having and can have, I think he'd be more careful on specific topics than he has been, right? And I, I think it would be a good thing for him to be more careful. Um, and then there are people who ha have similar platforms, who like Elon, who I think are being totally reckless, right? I, mean, I just think his behavior on Twitter has been unconscionable in how he has amplified bad information, pseudo-information, lies, and uh, denigrated real information, and it's just, and and it's not again. I don't put this on him. It's not not in a systematic way. It's just in a reckless way. He's like he's not even he's not he's not even paying attention to what he's breaking or what he's what he's signal boosting. It's like he's he's not. Um, it's there's just a there's there's a it's it's like an adolescent attitude toward the safeguarding of real things. It's like, you're like, like we have, we have a world where the difference between our succeeding in this common project of, of, you know, building a civilization that works and our failing is I mean, like that, 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 that gulf is, is so enormous. Um, and given, and given that basically all of our problems are, are the result of failures of human cooperation. I mean, like everything that's just not an asteroid that's, you know, that's, you know, going to cross our, our, the path of earth. Um, and even there, even with an asteroid, an earth crossing asteroid, human cooperation is the answer to that problem. It's like, like there's, there's almost no, no problem we could have that in the limit we can't, I mean, if it, if it's compatible with the laws of nature for, for for that problem to be solved, I think our understanding the problem and collaborating in its solution is going to solve it. Now, it may not, you know, conveniently, it may not, we may not have the time we need to solve it, right? Like if we find out about an asteroid and it's, you know, 15 days away, we don't have enough time to mm. get up there and, and divert it, right? But if we had 15 years or you know, 30 years, we presumably we would have the time we needed to solve this problem. Have you read Ian Bremmer's book, The Power of Crisis? Um, no, but I, uh, I may have spoken with Ian. I mean, I think I probably spoke with him before that book came out, but he's been on my podcast several mm. times. So I've, I have the gist of his thoughts on this topic. Yeah, yeah. So 
he unnerves me a little bit. I had him on the show and he was great and I was very honored to do yeah. it, but it unnerves me a little, the idea that we need some sort of crisis, what he calls a Goldilocks crisis. Mm. That's big enough to be really devastating, but not so big that we can't overcome it. No, I because... hope that's wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we need that. What, what I'm saying though, is what we need are, we need adults in the room and we need the most powerful, we need the luckiest, most powerful, most influential, the people who command the most resources and the people who command the most of of our bandwidth, right? The, the people who command most human attention at the moment to behave responsibly, right? Elon is not doing that. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about the decisions he's made as CEO of Twitter. I'm talking about his behavior on mm -hmm. Twitter, right? It's just, it, it is, it's very Trumpian, right? It's just very, it's just, it's like all for the lulls, right? It's just, he's just shitposting. He's just spreading memes. He's just fucking around, but he's touching real things. Like, you know, when, when he speculates that his, his former head of trust and safety is a pedophile, right? And just kind of freewheels on Twitter about that. Mm. He completely deranges this guy's life. I mean, I think this. I think Yoel Roth had to move you know, like, as a result of all the death threats he got. Right? Um, that's it's com it's complete. That that is completely predictable. I mean, the, the, the reason why I thought Trump should have been kicked off Twitter long before he was was not because of his politics or or how I viewed his presidency or anything. It was. He was doing this on Twitter. He was he was singling out specific citizens for abuse when it was absolutely predictable, given his platform and, get, and given the nature of his fan base, it was absolutely predictable that those people would then have just excruciating security concerns, possibly for the rest of their lives, right? It's just, it was just like death threats and people doxing them and people showing up at their houses and at their kids' schools. And it was just gonna be, they were just, they were just, it was such a massive fuck over of every one, every single person he mentioned by name. And he knew this, right? And, and you had to know this. Elon has to know that about anyone he puts on blast on Twitter. He's got whatever, 130 million people following him. And some percentage of those people are crazy, right? Guaranteed to be crazy, right? 1% of any audience is crazy, right? So you got 1% of 130 million people, you've got... And I would, and I would bet it skews worse than that in in his audience, frankly, um, and it certainly would be skew worse than that in in Alex Jones's audience, right? Um, Alex Jones, at a certain, if Alex Jones didn't know it initially, he knew it ultimately. That he he spent, I think it was at least a year putting the Sandy Hook families on blast, knowing it was documented what was happening to them, right? given the craziness of his audience, given the craziness of the claims he was making about them. We can't have the most powerful connected people in our society, certainly not someone like Elon, who can decide whether or not to put you know, satellites over Ukraine, you know, in the middle of a war, right? Um, just fucking around the way he's fucking around on Twitter. Uh, I get that he it's what he wants to do, my point is, he sh if he had an ethical compass, he wouldn't want to do it. So how do we get that? That feels to me, honestly, like the thing that's missing. We don't have an anchor anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't have a national story. We don't have a religious story. Uh, we have hyper-fragmentation. Algorithms pull us into these super narrow little niches. Um, how do we get 
a unifying dogma. I just did an interview yesterday, in fact, where mm. I wanted to compare and contrast Andrew Tate with Marcus Aurelius. Mm. And it's pretty interesting in terms of when you really look at their sort of mirror images of each other. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got one guy, narcissistic, totally self-obsessed, um, sees himself as the greatest to ever do it, whatever it might be. Right. And then you have the other guy who's reminding himself, don't become uh, purple dyed, you know, so that you think that your royalty has the guy walk around whispering, remember one day you're going to die. Like just always looking at the ways that he could be fallible and not letting the power go to mm -hmm. his head. And you've got right now kids really looking up to somebody like that. I'll let Andrew Tate be a stand-in now that mm. the the potential allegations or the allegations hanging over his head, but he represents like the flashy, tough, fast cars, access to women. Mm. That's what I want. I want to have that kind of fast, easy fame. And then Marcus Aurelius is about being a good person, being a decent man is extraordinarily difficult work that you have to focus on every day. You do it in the shadows. You do it when you're alone. Mm. And that just doesn't get the airtime. And so given so, that so, but, reality. Yeah, but so, but there you're making an argument for, which I totally agree with, for signal boosting Marcus Aurelius in whatever way you can. And when you meet uh, some semblance of a Marcus Aurelius sort of person, that's the person you want to give a platform to. That's the that's the style of argumentation. That's the the obvious ethical compass. That's the I mean that's it would be it would be way better for the world for Elon to be much more like Marcus Aurelius, right? It would be better for Elon, be better for his life personally, but that aside, it's like that would be to model that would be so much better objectively better for everyone involved like those are the virtues you want to spread um and yes it's the andrew tatification of everything that we're suffering under and and i think in large measure the business model of the internet has something to do with that i mean the fact that we we anchored it all to ads and to and to the dynamics of viral spread um but it's also true that in any, I mean, even if it was all subscription and, and so you get what you pay for, you need, things still need to be entertaining. It's like, you can't just be an eat your vegetables culture, right? Like, so you need, like, you need, we need captivating stories and we need, we need, we need it to be fun, right? So like in Elon's defense, he would say, you know, just get a sense of humor and just this just should be this is more this should be more fun than mm -hmm. it is right like it's like if this if it's not fun it's not worth it right that the line between fun and real ethical transgression is i mean it's not always immediately findable in in real time but it's usually pretty clear right i mean and 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 there's a kind of callousness there's a kind of just not caring about the casualties that is, that is so obvious in in most of the cases, most of the examples I just gave, right? Um, I mean, so you know, it's frankly so. I, obviously, I don't know Tate. I don't know whether any of the allegations against him are real. I, but and you know, and maybe he's going to grow up at some point. I mean, he's what he's thirty five years old. I mean, twenty years from now, he may be a very different sort of person. But right now, he's obviously an asshole. Right? It's like I mean, his 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 ethical center of gravity is just so displaced from what it should be 
to be a, a valid model of successful manhood for that you would want, you know, a hundred million teenagers in America to be following. It's just like, it's just, yes, he needs to read Marcus Aurelius. He needs to, like, he, there's just, he's not messaging any, I mean, the, he, he's messaging some wisdom, like, like the wisdom of getting things done, the wisdom of getting it out of your own way, the wisdom of realizing that the dynamics of competition between people and just, you know, take and protecting yourself, right? Like all, like all of that, but it, it is so self-directed. It's so selfish in principle. He is so selfish. He's so narcissistic. He's so turned inward. It's so, there's such a, uh, an ambience of bullshit about uh, about him, right? Like just it's all spin. There's no self reflection. It's um, it's the, the the superficiality of what he cares about is so, like there's no awareness of the deeper project of living a a a, uh, a durably happy life where you have real ethical engagement with the world with, with important causes with people where you're where you're where you care about other people really and even care about other people more than you care about yourself in many instances right where your where your happiness is born of of re- making others happy and reducing unnecessary suffering right where it's like where, where compassion is re- is really what animates you it's like there, there's none of that i mean I, I haven't seen all his stuff or even much of his stuff but i've seen enough to know that the kind of the center of the message is like you know if you check these boxes if you've got a bugatti and you and you can fuck as many women as you want you've basically solved the problem right. of being a man right like that's the, like like there's no way you're doing much wrong if you've checked those two boxes right like that's just bullshit it's just i mean it's not only bullshit it's completely backwards when you're talking about what's really worth caring about and prioritizing in this life I'm not saying that you that wealth isn't important. I'm not saying that relationships aren't important. I'm not saying that status isn't important. I mean, there are very few people who can sort of get past the the general concern about status, right? So st- status is very high leverage with respect to people's sense of their own well-being and whether their lives are 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 working. You know, the story they tell themselves at at four in the morning is very is very likely a reflection of how they feel they're, you know, they're functioning in some kind of status hierarchy. I get all that, but, you know, like my status hierarchy includes so much more than Bugattis and and hooking up with, with new women. And in fact, it doesn't, like, if that's what I was doing, I would be convinced I had just gone off the rails, right? Like, so it's just, um, you know, nothing against Bugattis, but it's like, I don't want one, right? As if by magic, I don't want a Bugatti, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, so yeah, I, I would agree with you. There's something, something has gone wrong in our culture that we don't have a long list of people who are very much like Marcus Aurelius, each more captivating than the next, who are getting their own reality TV shows, who have figured out how to, I mean, or forget about just the media. I mean, look at the, the, the 2024 presidential campaign, right? Like 
where are the the shades of Marcus Aurelius to choose from, right? Like how how is it that we? I mean, I'm not the only person to have marveled at this, but how is it that in a nation of 340 million people, these are our choices? Where we've got this laptop from hell, you know, waiting to disgorge all of these completely unseemly relationships that you know the president's son has spun out it, it, in in multiple countries, um, and we have to worry about some scandals, you know, wafting out of that and and uh, you know destroying his his prospects for and his prospects are only important because he's what's he's the the precarious object put in place of a former president who truly desecrated the office of the presidency. I mean, just he literally shattered the most important norms we have in our democracy. I mean, I, I would I, I don't know what to put above a, a commitment to a peaceful transfer of power. I mean, it's, it is the you know, I mean, Ronald Reagan, you know, who, who people right of center, you know, used to care about single that out as just the the kind of the central miracle of our society that we that we had that, you know, with all whatever else is happening. And whatever the depth of our political differences, the fact that we could rely on a peaceful transfer of power every four years, right? That was a, an absolute miracle. It's the thing about us that is most astounding to s all these other societies that can't manage it, right? In any generation, they, they, they either don't even have a system that pur even purports to manage it or even having one, they can't keep that together, right? Um, we haven't had that problem historically, and yet we have it now, and we had it last time because of Trump. How do we begin to unwind this stuff? So if there's something, it it seems something broken in culture to me. I think culture mm -hmm. is downstream of the individual. That was why I wanted to contrast the two different people. Um, what that got me thinking about is what is the animating philosophy of everybody's life? And I think for mm -hmm. most people, they never take the time to define what their animating spirit is. They don't have a life philosophy. Um, they're just engaged in the the day-to-day -day river of algorithms that sort of pull them along and yeah. um, confront them with the things they need to do, the things they find funny, the things that they find outraging. Um, but when I really stop and think about what people need to do, I come back to the thing that um, Jordan Peterson has been circling around. This has been really interesting for me. So Jordan goes on his dad arc, you know, when he really mm. first burst onto public fame, I was completely blown away by how much he was helping people. He then gets sick and he comes back and he's super religious mm. and I don't know what to make of it. And um, mm. for a long time, I was very confused. And then I started thinking, you know, he might just be ahead of his time in that what I think he has his finger on is that there is, all of us have a God-shaped hole inside of us. You have mm. to fill it with something. And what I think, and I'm very much putting words in his mouth, but what I think Jordan is putting his finger on is the Christian text is the way to anchor people to a set of beliefs and values so that we have something that we can point back to so that in times like these where people are going astray, 
you can point out, does your behavior make sense? Yes or no. You think yes, because you're getting a bunch of likes on Instagram. That's ridiculous. Mm. You should think yes, because you're hewing close to the words of the Bible, which are really deep mythological stories about the truth of the human condition. Now, again, I've not spoken to him about this. I don't know that he would agree with that assessment, mm. but that's my gut instinct. Unless he really yeah. now is like, I am a believer, but he even publicly, um, tweeted at Richard Dawkins and said, basically he was, I think, saying something about atheism. And he was like, this is a mistake. I will debate you anytime about it. So even if he doesn't believe in the literal word of God, he is really yeah. convinced that it is a necessary thing to yeah. help people orient themselves to a life well lived. Yeah, yeah. So as you know, Jordan and I have debated this topic of ad nauseum. We, I think we had um, four public debates. We did two or three podcasts, and, th and then um, we had uh, a bunch of live debates that were um, were fun. Um, and I don't know how much his thinking has changed since. Uh, th then he got sick, and then uh, he's probably, um, I'll take your word for it, I haven't seen much of his stuff of late, but- uh, he, When was the last time you guys connected? Well, I was on his podcast, certainly during COVID, um, but I, it's been, it's probably been at least a year, I think, since I, I've, I've connected with him in any way. Um, maybe there was an email or so, but I don't think it's, I, I would be surprised if his thinking has fundamentally changed. I mean, yes, he, as you say, he thinks that religious stories, and in particular a, Jude, a Judeo-Christian story, is, is really indispensable for really Western civilization, and we should recognize how much we owe to that story and... Um, it's in the absence of of that recognition that you have this eruption of of weird political commitments on the left that that seem to have a, a kind of religious fervor. Um, I think there's a bunch of half truths in there that I would sort of agree with, but um, generally speaking, I think that's just a mistaken diagnosis of our problem. Um, for a, a bunch of reasons. One is, I, I'll break this into kind of two layers. The most important thing I think to recognize is that stories aren't good enough. We need more than stories. Well, what 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 genuinely ails us is at a level psychologically that. Uh, isn't remedied by just having a consoling string of thoughts to think again and again and again, a story to tell yourself, a story to tell your kids, a story to have them parrot back to you, a culture of stories that just ramifies all of these you know, ideas. Um, that's not good enough, right? It's not the thing that allows you to recognize the real sacred depth of the present moment. I mean, it's not, it's not the thing that you encounter when you really know how to meditate or take the right psychedelic at the right moment with the right guidance, with the right set and setting, and have a real breakthrough into a, a landscape of mind that is that transcends your sense of egocentricity, right? Like the, to, to really get over yourself to really be available to self-transcending love and connection and ethical commitments is, is 
is a deeper move than any s- new set of thoughts is going to engineer for you. And it is, in fact, it requires an insight into the superficiality of thought itself, right? So it's like it's like the, it's it is. You have to recognize what the mind is like prior to thought, prior to identification with thought, prior to being continually spellbound by the voice in your head that is telling you one thing or the other, is telling you you're great and everything's working perfectly, or is telling you you're a failure and you know nothing worked out. I mean, like night. There, yes, on the relative level, on the level of being identified with thought, it matters what story you tell yourself. It's much better to feel like, you know, everything's going great, if in fact it is, uh, than to feel, you know, morbidly, you know, and masochistically self-critical and self-doubting and and depressed. So you can get a lot of leverage from stories, but you can't get the thing you really want to get at the end of the day, spiritually and contemplatively and ethically by just telling yourself a new story. So that's that's the deepest claim I'd want to make. So like the 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 baby in the bathwater of religion that we should want to save, you know, that you know, what it would take to really be like Jesus, what it would take to really be like Buddha, that's not a matter of endorsing any particular story, right? It's just there's a, there's a deeper engagement with the reality of the present moment uh and the, the, just the mechanics of one's own attention. Um that's required for that. Um, but in addition to that, even if we were just concerned about stories and having the best stories, the best stories are not in the Bible, right? The best, the, the Christian story, the Judeo-Christian story is not the best story. It's not the most life-affirming story. It's not the, it's not the clearest ethical compass we can engineer. In fact, it's a very, um, I mean, in moments, it has its moments. I mean, if you have a kind of a Jeffersonian, you know, a la carte attitude toward the Bible, yes, you can get some great wisdom there, but it is also chock full of modernity annihilating bullshit. And you have to push all that away. And you have to find some principle by which you would disavow that stuff the very real hatred of homosexuality, right? Like literally homosexuality is a killing offense in the Bible. And in nowhere, nowhere in the New Testament does it cease to be a killing offense. In fact, it's, it's pretty clearly is in Paul, um, in Paul's letters. Um, so, to, I mean, even the most basic uh, religious uh, uh, ethical test of sanity, slavery. Like, what's our policy on slavery? You don't get a good one from the Bible. That's a that is a as pure a defeater of you know ethical omniscience as you could ask for. Right? Is this the best moral document we have? Well, let's check the index. What does it say about slavery? Oh, get <laughs> slavery wrong. There's no way it's the it's it's the wisest book we've ever produced. Right? So it's just. That's where we are with the Bible. That's you know quite inconvenient for Christians and Jews who really want to make that tradition the, the kind of the, the sole re- repository of, of wisdom for us. I think what should be obviously be true to us is that every book we have, the Bible included, the Quran included, was at some point 
the product of merely human insight and intelligence, right? It's like the, the people wrote all of our books. We, we do not have a single book that was not written by a person, leaving, you know, chat GPT aside. Um, so, and so, so all we have are, is a, is a, the kind of the, the, the totality of human insights and human conversations to draw from, right? So what religious, what traditionally religious people seem to recommend is that we limit ourselves to the insights and conversations of a previous age. Now, whether you want to walk that all the way back to the seventh century or, you know, 1500 BC or, you know, first century AD, or that depends on which religion you favor, or, or some people will just want to go with L. Ron Hubbard, right? We'll go with, we'll go with the guy with bad teeth, um, whose driver's license we can literally inspect, but he's compelling enough for us to just stop there. It's like, he got it right, you know, in Dianetics, and we need to look no further. What I think should be obvious is rather than, than feel like we're entitled to any kind of religious provincialism, uh, we should just want the totality, I mean, very much in the spirit of what you were recommending earlier, we want the totality of human insights and conversations available, and then we want to just see what survives contact with reality. We want to, we want to pressure test it in each present generation in the, in the presence of new technology. I mean, like, what, what is going to give us guidance? What, you know, what in our prior conversations gives us real guidance when we decide to build more and more powerful AI? Like, what, what should we believe about the totality of everything that's been said before, its provenance. What what equips us to make a a a truly wise decision in the present with respect to this emerging technology? Now, I would argue that you get you know close to nothing in the Bible to equip you to to actually navigate this appropriately. Um, and so you just again we 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 have we have these challenges some of which are quite foreseeable but some of which aren't some of which just come out of the blue and we have and we just have to recognize that all we have collectively is conversation by which to navigate and again i i do i do think it's helpful to continually view all of this you know collectively and also just personally as a navigation problem. We're constantly faced with the question of what to do next, what to physically do next, what to, what to do next with our resources, what to pay attention to next, what to talk about next, what to think about next, what kind of laws to, to, to write next. Um, we're constantly tacking in the wind and All we have is human insight and 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 uh, human conversation by which to do that. And so, so persuasion is important. You know, understanding the dynamics of all of that is important. But to default to some prior century and to say that you know this is the this is these are the last words that are relevant on the deepest questions of human life. They can never be improved. They can never be superseded by anything. All of their internal contradictions are something that we 
have to pretend to have worked out and uh in most cases we're better off just ignoring them because uh you know who can understand the the mind of god right it's like well, let's default to mystery there and the unknowability really of truth there um but no there's very specific specific truths we can know like yes homosexuality no that's that's forbidden right so we know that and uh um it's just not, it's, I mean, view it in terms of software. It's like, we know we have to keep improving it. Culture is software. Culture, culture is an operating system. We know it, it's continually showing its bugs. We know it's continually failing us. We know it's throwing up new challenges that we, that we you know, kind of emergent behavior that, we have to correct for we can't just say this 2000 year old legacy code is perfect it so clearly isn't perfect it was not perfect at the time you know and it, it, it and you it was possible at the time to know that slavery was wrong it's not like 2000 years ago everyone thought slavery was okay no it's just the people who wrote the bible thought slavery was okay it's like it's like it, it was possible to be wise enough as a human being to be. So you, you brought up Marcus Aurelius. There is so much more wisdom in his meditations. I'm not saying they're perfect; they're not everything. There is so much more wisdom in that book than in most of the Bible, right? And there's so much less wrong with his meditations than is wrong with most of the Bible. Um, I mean, if you know, if you're going to take one book. To guide your life, you could do a lot worse than Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I mean, and it's so modern in so many ways, right? It's so it's like you don't have to go through this tortured translation, like he, what he really meant. You know, he didn't mean keep slaves. He meant, you know, he he's um. It's a very modern set of insights into. Uh, and I don't know if he said anything about the ethics of slavery. Maybe there's something in there that is um, inconvenient. But um, I mean, the parts of 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 Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism generally that that are, are so serviceable and so modern is that there's this basic insight into your mind being basically all you have. I mean, what, whatever you have in the world, whatever you have in your life, whatever you're being confronted with. The layer of experience is mind, and what you do with your attention, what you choose to focus on, what you how you choose to frame the thing that seems to have happened in the world. That's that is the cash the cash value of the world and of your life in it is what it convinces you to do with your mind, right? And if you can just seize those reins deliberately. You can be happy in objectively terrible situations. And conversely, if you fail to understand anything about those mechanics, you can be miserable in, a, in objectively wonderful and truly fortunate situations, right? I mean, you can have all the luck in the world and not enjoy any of it. Do you ever worry that given that all that we really have is our mind and attention, that AI ends up coming along and playing the role of God. It focuses your attention. It tells you what to look at. It makes sure that you feel 
XYZ way, but that it mm. ends up being able to either uh, through culture or something far more individualistic, it ends up being able to shape your values. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm very worried about the deepest questions of the AI alignment. Um, I think that's a real problem. And there are many, I'm amazed that there are many people you know, fairly close to this technology who either don't think it's a problem or just figured that out like last week after working in the field for decades. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I mean I'm truly mystified by the people who don't think it's a problem. I, as you might've heard, I had Mark Andreessen on my podcast and we debated this and he's, you know, he's super smart and super close to the tech and just thinks that, you know, it's, this is pure science fiction to worry about AI alignment. I mean, it's just, there's just no reason to worry about it. Um, he's not, you know, I spent, whatever it was, two hours, you know, talking in his direction. He's totally unconvinced by anything I had to say. Everything I, I, I have to say on the topic is really, it's, it's, I don't think there's anything original from me on that. I mean, I've just been very informed by people like Stuart Russell, who is also very close to the tech. Um, you know, he's a computer scientist at Berkeley. Um, but then people who are more peripheral to the field who just have made very compelling arguments about the problem of alignment, like Nick Bostrom or mm. uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky or um, uh, Max Tegmark. I mean, there's a, you know, a lot of smart people who are just, they're not actually doing the AI research. But then you have somebody like Jeffrey Hinton, who's like the father of the the, 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 the most current you know, tech, you know, of deep learning. And he wakes up... Uh, you know, three weeks ago, um, and he's he realizes we got a problem on our hands, right? So I don't understand how, why that took so long. Um, but that aside, even in success, we, you know, we, if it, or even not reaching any anything like a a uh, a catastrophe of, of misalignment, just our engagement with machines that are smarter than ourselves. And the way in which that can be deranged, I mean, there's, there's so many examples of the way it could derange us, but just, I mean, the, the I recently rewatched the, the film Her. I don't know if you saw that recently, but it, 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 it's, crazy. It, it's um, it lands differently now. Um, uh, I sort of forgot what I thought about it 10 years ago. I saw it when it came out, but, but now it just seems like, okay, this is, this is pretty damn interesting. It's like, it's, it was, it, it was not consciously a very dystopian film i mean it mm -hmm. kind of split the difference between between dystopia and and uh you know something more benign but um you can see just just imagine all of us i mean even even the model of success here we all have a kind of a superhuman ai tutor who understands us better than anyone in our lives and understands us better than our friends or our spouses it is literally noticed everything we've paid attention to for years right it's followed it's like it, it's it's caught everything we've forgotten you know you know oh you said in that email uh that you were gonna tell sam x you never told him you, you want to tell him now right like it's it's reading everything you wrote it's re it's, it's reading everything you read it's re and it's it's doing that to a billion other people fairly similar to you and drawing insights from them and then propagating that back into its understanding of you. So it's understanding you in ways that you can't even understand yourself, right? And so now you're in dialogue with this thing. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a, 
some good that could come of this. I mean, it's just imagine just being in relationship to the the smartest and wisest oracle you know you you could ever have access to. That's what's not to love about that. But then you just imagine, as in the film Her, that we all have a different version of this thing, and it's it's slightly different because we're different, right? So it's a it's a funhouse mirror, and our culture is fragmented. We like we don't have a shared reality because. The AI is tuning itself differently. So it's like, I think Jaron Lanier gave this example once, not so much for AI, but for just the the disorienting com- capacity of social media. It's like, imagine if Wikipedia was different for every person who went and read an article there. It's like, you go read the, you go read the article on the American Revolution, and it's bespoke just for you, given the kinds of things you have signal that you like you know in the past right That's scary and we all have we so no one has a common understanding of of the world really because we're all sort of drifting off into this conversation with with more and more compelling information tools um i mean again there's the, you know if if this thing coughs up a cure for cancer next year but the the, the pragmatics of the moment are going to be such i'm going to think all right well Let's just let's le- at least acknowledge that we really wanted that cure for cancer, right? I'm really happy we got that. You know, I'm not so worried about the misinformation problem today, given that that I and everyone I know are now now know we're never going to die from cancer, mm. right? Like, so let's let's get our priorities straight. But it really is easy to see how it can bend us in ways that that. Uh, will not be functional and um yeah i mean i hope we we equip ourselves to realize that in time as these advances roll out no kidding all right man uh i think even at the end of this uh amazing conversation we still all have a lot of work to do in terms of figuring out what our compass is how to sift through all the information there's no letting yeah. us off the hook, but uh, no. now that you're no longer on Twitter, where can people engage with you? Well, just uh, wakingup.com. It has all my stuff on meditation and really applied philosophy. And um, samharris.org is my website. So anything I do will be announced from there. So yeah, and if if in the, in the age of deep fakes, I mean, th- this is one thing I've thought about. It's like at a certain point, if it, you know, if something hasn't come from one of my channels, I don't think you can be sure that I said that thing or if that's mm. me it's me saying it and and so it is with you or anyone else with the platform. I mean it's just Guaranteed. it's really it's really strange but uh really yeah that's, strange. that's where I am. Awesome. Yeah. All right everybody, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace.